0: Welcome to another episode of Rooted in Reaching, a podcast about startups and entrepreneurs in the South bend Elkhart region of Indiana. My name is Bethany Hartley.
1: And I'm Nick Kuhn. Today, I'll be speaking with Nate Miller with Consensus Networks, and we'll learn about his journey to make cryptocurrency and blockchain wallets less complicated and cumbersome. We hope you enjoy. Nate, thanks for being here today. It's great to have you on the podcast. Awesome. It's great to be here. Yeah, so uh, I wanted to just get started, you know, diving back a little bit in the history. How you got involved in the crypto space? Way before that, you were in the Navy, is that right?
0: Yeah, that's right. I um, I'm originally from Michigan. Uh, grew up in Big Rapids, so uh, Fair State University. For mm-hmm. those who don't know, um, but I got an appointment to the Naval Academy. I went to the Naval Academy for for my college experience. From there, I I went into the the nuclear Navy pipeline. Did submarine training. Ended up out in Washington State, and I and I was there for a number of years operating submarines. Uh, and the nuclear reactors there, so that was like a a totally crazy experience. And then my my final tour of duty was actually here uh, in South Bend at University of Notre Dame, teaching at ROTC. And uh, and yeah, so that's that's what brought me here. I was interested in what's next. I was getting out of the Navy. And I was thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to do next? And so. Um, I talked to a mentor of mine, and he recommended this program at Notre Dame called Esteem, mm-hmm. um, and it's a cool program that immerses you in, in entrepreneurship. And I kind of, I guess you could say, caught the bug. I, I I don't really think of myself as an entrepreneur. It's not really like a uh, something I call myself. I don't put it in my in my Twitter <laughs> in my Twitter profile, you know. But but uh, yeah, I, I, I caught the bug and decided, hey, this is cool. Esteem allowed you to to like participate in a startup, so. Consensus Networks was was my startup uh, for the Esteem program, and I finished that that master's program in Notre Dame, and decided,
1: hey, um, I think there's some stuff here. I want to roll with it, and and yeah, and it's been nice. that's the story. I'm I'm consistently impressed by these team students. Uh, it's a great program. Come from around the world, um, yeah. Africa, uh, Europe, uh, Asia, yeah. and it's almost a little bit of a cohort model that works yeah. through um, a, a single year. Uh, for a a grad program really based on entrepreneurship like what what can you get started how do you d- develop the innovative mindset um sounds like it worked for you yeah yeah, yeah it was yeah it was did awesome some, did you make some good friends and Yeah later? I did yeah I actually just last
0: week talked to a buddy of mine from esteem he's in Rwanda actually he's in he's in uh, Kenya now mm-hmm. um he's doing a startup um so it's so cool it's so cool it's so cool to like to, to go through a program with somebody and then, and then years later talk to them and they're, they're still doing the entrepreneurship, they're still in the startup space, they're in, they're in Africa uh, doing startups in Africa. Um, it's, it's really cool to, to be able to have conversations like that and think about, um, think about how that works and talk to people like that. yeah
1: What a great example of how to leverage uh, a, a tier one university and how they can think differently about education. I want to double back a little bit on the academy. Those aren't easy to get into. They're, <laughs> they're extremely challenging and they're extremely challenging to to be a part of for a, a long period of time. A lot of people don't go in there with a military background necessarily. Yeah, yeah. So, can you tell us a little bit about your experience at the Naval Academy?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I do have kind of a little bit of a lineage there. My my dad actually went to the Naval Academy. Um my my grandfather uh, is was a retired captain and served during World War II and my and my grandpa really really got me. Into the Naval Academy, or he didn't get me in. He Mm -hmm. really encouraged me to go, encouraged me to apply. You know, he got me the application and said, (laughs) you know, go ahead and apply. Uh, and so I did, and I was fortunate. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to get in. You do have to go through a number of interviews. You have to get uh, a recommendation from either your representative, your, your your congressional representative, or or a senator. I was able to get 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 that, and and um and so there is a process, and and then you know the Naval Academy itself is is it's a structured environment, but it's also very uh, fast paced, competitive, time, and uh, yeah, it's tough. It's tough to do. I I sometimes look back and think, man, like what was you know how did I do that? Because yeah, it is really tough. I think I've taken a lot of those lessons though, and applied them to entrepreneurship though, um, really fighting through challenges, trying to think outside the box. I think a lot of people think of the military as very linear in thinking and very non-creative. And I think that that can be true for sure. But one of the things that I discovered about myself when I was in the military is that I was able to do really well in the military by thinking outside of the box just enough, mm. and and trying to do things just a little bit different than other people were doing within the guidelines and procedures that I had to for for operating a submarine or or doing other duties that I had, but it was enough that I was able to kind of you know achieve kind of a little bit higher level and 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 do well and, and you know and and do well when it when it came to you know my performance reviews and things like that, and so I, I've tried to take those lessons to entrepreneurship where. You know, you you want to have structure within your company and you wanna have it's tough. It's tough in a startup because there's just a few people, a lot of people have a lot of different responsibilities. So you can't you can't have this like really formal, structured, you know, bureaucracy in your startup because a lot of people gotta do a lot of different things. You gotta move fast, you gotta break things right. And so I, I've tried to have a little bit of structure, enough structure where, hey we're, we're following up on things, we've got structured time where we have feedback sessions and we' we're, we're really taking a look and we have processes for how we do things. But on the same side, I try to also uh, keep things open and loose, allow people to, to create, you know allow for innovation to happen. And so I, I some of that did come from my time in, in the military actually where where you did need to have a little bit of creativity and allow that to flow, even though you were constrained by kind of you know, the bureaucracy of things. So.
1: It's, a, it's a fantastic way to describe it. I think uh, the entrepreneurial mindset may be thought of from a, a lot of different perspectives as the Wild West or you're a cowboy or you're on a speedboat. Like you can just do whatever <laughs> you want and figure it out and go, go, go. But it's not, it's still a business. You still have blocking and tackling, you still have process and form and structure, but you do need to go f- quickly. Yeah. And so that's, yeah. that's a fascinating way to tie in well, like you said, a, a more structured, rigid model. With how do you innovate alongside of that? Yeah, yeah, that fascinating. So let's okay. fast forward a little bit. To you're out of a steam. You, you did a capstone project called Consensus Networks. Tell us what what that is.
0: Yeah, so I, I was getting into to crypto while I was um, while I had actually before I even started a I was just I was kind of cur- you know I was listen- I think listening to the radio and they were talking about a Bitcoin ETF um, and this was like 2000 and. 16 and I was kind of like oh yeah I think I heard of bitcoin maybe and and so I got into it started to really you know immerse myself in the technology and and what was going on in the space so I was really excited to do the project
1: Let me interrupt you yeah. you're you're not a coder by any, uh, I'm not a coder no okay. I, I'm
0: not a coder I um, I'm an engineer um, okay. but I'm I'm not a coder I I do st- I do stuff in the command line I use Linux I'm I'm like I'm co- conversant but I'm not without okay. a coder by any means though I you know I, I kind of get it I guess but you saw
1: the broader picture I of saw what the, this yeah I saw the bigger is.
0: picture yeah. of it and we and I can talk about that too from the from the bigger picture but I, I got really interested in this idea of like digital money and digital assets and what that could be and so I really wanted to do something with that and esteem allowed me to to jump in and, and create a company around around digital assets and so when we first started, I guess I would say the only thing, one of the things that I knew, you know, I didn't know everything about the space. I didn't know very much about the space at all because we were just getting started. But one of the things that I knew was that there had to be servers that operated these networks. These are networks, these these blockchain networks are these decentralized networks that operate around the globe that send money, send digital assets, sends, it, sends an NFT or piece of information or Bitcoin to another node anywhere in the globe. And it can it happens 24-7. 365. There's there's no downtime to these networks, hardly ever. And so one thing I knew that I knew is that there had to be servers that power these networks and process these transactions. And they had to be distributed around the globe. And they probably couldn't be on AWS, right? Because then everything's just in one building, right? They had to be decentralized and and outside of like the normal, kind of the normal internet cloud. And so that's, that's where I started was, all right, let's start building servers that can... Be a part of these networks and process transactions that was great that was that was the, that was the right thing to do i think um from from the company's perspective and so what we we started doing was we started to participate in, in what we call the consensus mechanism of these networks where we're processing the transactions we're validating the transactions and, and we're allowing the network to work and along the way we discovered that hey this is really hard it's really hard to do that and if you want to use these networks like we're using them to to, to To validate transactions or to to look at transactions to get, you know, outside of the crypto trading that happens on Coinbase and kind of the the speculative hype, if you want to use it for anything else other than than trading tokens, it's really really hard to do. Um, It's hard for us to do it, so it's got to be it's Mm got to be even harder for for everybody else. So if this technology is going to become the next internet or it's going to become the next big thing, we've got to do some more work here. And so that really launched. Uh, the next phase of what we are doing, which is building applications on top of our service, on top of our networks, that'll make it easier for users to interact with digital assets, to use digital assets, and 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 facilitate what we think is the next phase of adoption from from just the, the speculative trading and the, the hype cycles and the scams and all that that stuff to to actual usability and and what we think is is Web three the next the next level of the internet.
1: Could I? Um... Uh, ask a few questions. I want to do what uh, a colleague of mine said: pitch a twelve-year-old. So there's some jargon with Web three yeah. <laughs> that's just that may be a little bit challenging for uh, for me. Let's yeah, just call it yeah, for me. Yeah. So let's start at the baseline. I'm just going to do some rapid-fire terms. If you could yeah. give me like a, a succinct answer or definition, yep. a server. What's the difference between a server and a computer?
0: Yeah, I mean they can almost be the same thing. Okay. Basically, a, a server is a computer, but generally the server is dedicated to to one thing, which is which is serving up an application to the internet so people can use it okay yeah got
1: it and then um, consensus uh, obviously when people have consensus they agree on something yep. is that similar in yeah it, 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 it
0: is really similar one of the ideas behind Bitcoin in and it's really this it's really this big kind of question is like how do you decide what truth is or what what a state is and that's a really tough problem to decide so normally right there's there's a a company that just decides you say like this is the database, or this is the ledger, this is the answer, and that's Google, or that's AWS, Mm -hmm. and they just say this is what the answer is. But if you wanna do that in a a decentralized way, if you wanna do that where there's not a single company that controls it and and says what the answer is, you gotta figure out how to do that. How how does does somebody in Africa agree with somebody in uh, America, agree with somebody in Europe about the state of a network, or what a transaction is, or how much money you have? Uh, if there's not a bank that's doing that or a single person so that's that's what consensus is it's a way of of solving that problem.
1: And then one of my other ones was decentralized, but you just kind of nailed it. It means yeah. not one entity is a source of truth. It's literally across a, a spectrum and, yep. and band yeah, of exactly. entities. Let's talk about uh, Web 3. Yeah. Can you define Web 3 and maybe the previous iterations of the web prior to 3? Yeah,
0: yeah. And I'll, I'll just say this. There are so many terms in this space, and it is a problem. It <laughs> is a problem. Um, and I also appreciate, you know, one of the things I learned when I was in the Navy was that, you should be able to explain anything to a five-year-old right and and i can explain how nuclear power works to my five-year-old and i and i think that that serves you well right if if you can't understand it it doesn't mean you're stupid it means a lot of times it means somebody is like kind of maybe maybe they're bsing you so <laughs> so again if, if you can't understand it tell them to explain it to you like you're like they're five like you're five and if they can't you know i think uh i think there's a good chance that there's there's a little bit of uh yeah scammy going on there mm-hmm. but um so Web3, and, and you'll, you'll hear me use these terms all interchangeably, so, so Web3, you know, often synonymous with blockchain, often synonymous with digital ledger or Bitcoin, and a lot of times we're talking all about the same thing. But Web3 is this idea of digital ownership uh, of the internet. So I think one way you can think about it is so much of our lives are, are online. Um, so much of our information is online, there's so much value that uh, we're digitizing today and we're creating today. So it only makes sense that there's a way to capture this digital value and there is a way and there's a number a few companies that basically that make a ton of money off of you and your information that you freely provide to them and you don't have any recourse on that you don't you don't get any share of those profits um you don't make any of that money you don't really even have control of your information at all um and so web3 and and, and blockchain was partially born out of this frustration with hey there's there's just a few people that control all of this information they have all of this power there's got to be a way we we can return digital value and 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 the ability to control your you know control your path to to the individual and so that is as really where web3 came from and so that's that's really how i think of web3 you know if you want to say like web1 was really kind of the the early internet where we're talking Darpanet, really basic kind of emailing. Mm-hmm. Um, that very early stage Web two is kind of what we have today, where we've got these you know web applications. You can go online, you know, use Facebook, use TikTok, use Twitter. These are all web applications. Web three is is that, but really with this data provenance, where you can start to own your data, mm-hmm. um, you can transact digital value, you can send money to people natively, and you don't need a third party controlling
1: that to do that. Got so. it. That's helpful. Thank you. Okay, so let's translate all of that into uh, the current state of consensus networks. It's launching a new product that I'm excited about because when I coach entrepreneurs, I talk about clarity, pitching to a 12-year-old. Yeah. make Bring this down to my level. You may be a master of your domain, but that doesn't mean I understand it. <laughs> So tell me about what the product is uh, at Consensus and uh, what it does.
0: Yeah, for sure. So I think I would, you know, I, I mentioned already, hey, how hard it is to use and interact with digital assets, and so that really drove this product development of, all right, let's create a, a user experience that's intuitive and easy to use and allows people to actually interact with digital assets, interact with these networks that we support and we work with, and does it really easily for the user. So you've got to start someplace though. You can't. We can't. We're not quite there in adoption yet, where everything is a digital asset. Your electronic health record may one day be a digital asset. Your, you know, other other pieces of information. Your your house title may be a digital asset, but we're not there yet. So where we started today was with uh, with is with staking. Uh, so people in the Web three space are familiar with this, and, and maybe you're not. If you haven't, if you don't know anything about crypto, um, you've probably heard of Bitcoin. You have probably heard of Ethereum. And, and one of the things that Ethereum just did is they, they switched their their consensus model um, from proof-of-work to proof-of-stake. And so they changed the way they decide what truth is for their network. Um, proof-of-stake is a little bit more energy efficient way of doing it, and what it, what, how proof-of-stake works is it allows anybody that holds Ethereum to what's called stake their Ethereum to, uh, to a server. You can, you can stake it, and basically it, it kind of works like a deposit and you know for that deposit you get you get a get a percentage back you get an interest rate on that uh, you get a dividend basically it's really hard to do though so it today if you want to stake your ethereum you really your options are kind of to use coinbase and one of the big problems with that is that's bringing in this third party again so in the in the world where we're talking about hey you know web 3 is hey get rid of the third parties that control everything today it's well you know there's new third parties coming in and you know and, and so coinbase is there um, and they take a big cut out of out of your ethereum that that you deposit and you can you can earn rewards on. Um, and so uh, what we've developed is a way uh, for users to stake their Ethereum uh, without having to go through a third party. You know, what we we facilitate uh, the user to to easily connect into into the Ethereum network uh, natively, and then they can stake their Ethereum, earn rewards on that without ever having to give up control. Of those Ethereum tokens to a company like Coinbase to do that. That's kind of step one, and then we were looking to expand that to a lot of other networks, to a lot of other use cases. Again, beyond just beyond just staking, beyond just Ethereum.
1: So my twelve-year-old version of this is: I I put money in my bank. It says I'll give you four percent if it if you let it sit here. Yeah, they lend it to someone else at seven percent. You're cutting that out, so uh, it allows me direct uh, accessibility to that person that entity for seven percent now I can gain more interest that's right by having a direct connection yeah
0: that's right that's exactly right and and you know yeah that's exactly right the only thing I'll just say is you know you're not lending it out you, sure. you always have control of that money yep. um but yeah that's I think that's a great analogy you're cutting out that middleman that's taking their percentage yeah or allowing you to directly directly to stake um and just and just make a, a higher percentage rate.
1: Where do you uh, last question? Where do you see the Web three space going in the next five to ten years?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. I think there's two big things that are happening right now that are going to be impactful to people. The first that is that is really gonna that's gonna directly impact probably everybody that's listening to this uh, is central bank digital currency. So everybody that you know the federal government is going to implement most likely I think within the next five to ten years uh, central bank digital currency. That is going to digitize the United States dollar, and so whether you like it or not, you're going to be in the world of digital currencies. Everybody will be, I think. I think that's going to change a lot of things, and that's probably that's another podcast. That's another huge. That's another <laughs> hour discussion about what that does. Um, I think the second thing that's going to be interesting that's that's currently happening is the digitization of of uh, of more assets. So, so the digitization of things like uh property titles i think people are really looking at the digitization of things that are very close already like stocks bonds Mm -hmm. uh other 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 equities like that so i think the other big change that we're going to see is that digitization of of real world assets that is really going to start happening and picking up speed Um, and so that is also going to be really interesting the next time you buy a house in five or ten years how the closing process works Mm -hmm. because it, it could be all digital it could be this this digital system allows Allows the actual closing process to happen, maybe much faster. You know, you you may, you're gonna have less paperwork. Mm-hmm. There's, it's going to be this new process. Will be interesting to see how that sure. and of that course
1: works. more secure uh, on yeah. this decentralized network. Hey, this is great. How can people find you?
0: Yeah, so you can go to consensusnetworks.com. That's our main homepage. We're just launching uh, V1 of, of Casimir, our our uh, digital asset management platform, and it's not quite launched yet. It's in the next week or two. We'll be launching. All right, but you can, uh, if you look around our website, you can find a couple of ways to get to a sneak peek of it.
1: So, awesome. <laughs> well, Nate, thanks for being here today, and then, uh going through your journey, uh, the Web three journey, really, you, you've accomplished quite a few things. I appreciate getting to know you and the hard work you're doing here at South Bend. For sure, yeah. Awesome, thank Likewise. you. Take care.